right, riddle me this, Kev. What's one of the first upgrades you should do to your vehicle? What is it? What do you go for? Well, you might think power, but ultimately, from a smart and safe perspective, definitely the brakes. Yeah, no doubt. Upgraded braking systems can really transform a vehicle's performance and honestly give you better peace of mind behind the wheel in any situation. You know, from the track to off-road trails, even the morning commute, every single vehicle deserves performance brakes at an affordable price. And no matter what your vehicle or driving style, PowerStop has complete brake upgrade kits for you. So head to PowerStop.com, fill in your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder to be matched with complete kits and components that are low-dust, noise-free, and feature upgraded stopping power. That's right. You could join the thousands of other drivers that have already transformed their vehicle into a stopping powerhouse today with PowerStop. PowerStop.com, brake upgrades made easy. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. And today, oh man, today we're going boldly where few muscle car guys have ever gone before. <laughs> this is true. This is true, man. And I am not fired up. I am juiced up. And I don't mean roids. I don't mean yeah. roids, man. I mean electrons juiced up. That should give you a hint on where we're headed today, man. This is a very controversial topic, but it is in your face. You can't get around it these days, man, because that's where the world is headed. And we're going to head on, have the conversation, man. Do some learning, man. we got some guys that we're going to bring on. They're really going to help kind of break down this topic and, and maybe talk about some of the cool elements that we haven't really thought about yet. Yeah, man. Everybody should know by now, right, especially if you listen to this podcast, the world is full of electrons, protons and morons and you're a moron if you don't think the electrics thing is coming our way straight up stupid it's not only coming our way man it's it's nasty y'all there are some electric motors out there some packages that are going to make that old school conversion so far to back of your mind why because what's the one thing that beats beats the sound all right what's the one thing that we put above all other things when it comes to, you know, the world of hot rods, muscle cars, racing. That's performance. Power. Nothing, nothing gives you performance like a stupid electric motor. God dang it. Oh, Isn't that man. awful? But cool at the same time? Yeah, man. man. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I, you know, it's kind of like holding your iPhone without the case. Uh, it, you know, it's dangerous, but it's, it feels so good. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it, it, I'm telling you, man, it, it is something that we, we all need to look at because now we have companies like our guests from Hypercraft USA uh, that are not only sort of taking the whole electric motor concept, but they're doing it and it means to package it all up. Imagine, you know, a conversion kit where you Turn can take key. an old muscle car. Yeah, you could take your old hot rod, your side-by-side, your watercraft, whatever you want, man. They'll make you an electric conversion for it. How do you like them apples? <laughs> That's crazy. You know, I got to say, you know, just like you, Willie, I'm sure for years now, I'm like, nah, I don't want nothing to do with it. Don't want nothing to do with it. You know, I want my gas motor. But, you know, as it's creeping along, you know, you can start to see it on the horizon. It's it's starting to see it on the roads. You talk to your friends that have driven Teslas, own Teslas, and other EVs. You, you kind of gauge their enthusiasm. You know, you start to put a little bit of, well, let me kind of think about it, you know, in there. And, uh, you know, some of it has a lot of legit to it. 
You know, it, we're going to miss some things. We're going to miss that sound. We're going to miss that smell. We're going to miss that tinkering and nuts and bolts for sure. But I mean, you know, we talked about it the other day, when you look at RC cars, right? Go back when, you know, sort of a nitro RC car was like the pinnacle, man. Look how fast mine is. And it made all kinds of noise and all this stuff. And somehow we blew right into the EV version of RC cars with yeah. lithium ion batteries and everything. Did anyone complain? Did anyone look back? No, everyone is hauling ass in lithium ion, double stacking batteries, going insane, uh, speeds, simplicity. Uh, and I, and I got to imagine there's a certain amount of that. Maybe not completely carry over because there's some aura about a hot rod. But, oh, yeah. you know, I, I think some of it's going to be like the RC car days. You know? Dude, it's so funny. My buddy Corey had this badass little nitro methane, had a little expansion chamber on yeah. it. It was all like wing, ding, 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 like that. And I still went with a, a little brushless, you know, a little brushless badass. I mean, this car would do, you know, 70 miles an hour on a little electric brushless, you know, put a couple batteries in it, let it rip. Man, I drugged that dude so hard. He had so much money in it. And I swear, next week he showed up at my house. Cause I got a motocross track in my backyard. He's like, "Look what I got!" He went out and bought an electric. He gave. I mean, he threw thousands away in like one week. Cause it it beat him so bad. He just like, "I'm out of game. I'm out of the game. It's it's over." I think that's what's gonna happen, man. Not not tomorrow, you know. Not like immediately, but you're gonna get your ass drug with your nitro car, your nitrous car, your your blower, your turbo, whatever. You're just gonna get drug at the stoplight or whatever, at the track. Uh, and you're going to be looking over that guy's got like a couple of boxes plugged in and ready to go, just zipping around, hauling ass. And you're going to be like, man, what, what am I doing over here with all this all this contraption, all this complexity, all this stuff I got to deal with? That guy just bolted on some things, flipped on the button, and bzz, there he goes. He's beating me. He's yeah, everybody thinks they're a joke until That's they right. drag your ass. So let's talk about it. Conversion kits, motorsports, where is electric going? Hypercraft USA. We'll bring him on next. Chat all about it. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He's Kevin Bird. I will be. We're back after the break. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I will be. We have Jake. We have John. We have the guys that created hypercraftusa.com check out the site y'all you'll see what they're doing um i i gotta tell you man john saw you at sema got some mutual friends when you told me guys were doing electric conversions uh for just about uh, you know anything you could ever imagine it definitely piqued my interest my man you guys are at the forefront of what we feel and think is going to be an enormous explosion in the motorsports community fairly soon yeah, it's uh, it's an exciting place to be. You know, we had some gumption ourselves that we were onto something, and I don't think we really knew until we showed up at SEMA and just unleashed a, you know, the dam broke open and and just pummeled us with more demand than we could have ever imagined. Yeah, well, I mean, Jake, you gotta you got you gotta be thankful for things like that. Like you're moving in a direction. Where supply and demand are way apart. There's a big demand for it, and supply is not quite there. So you guys have a big opportunity. Uh, what would you say is your hottest thing uh, on the forefront? What What are you guys, you know, hiring people right away to help build and facilitate? I mean, for us, you know, the interest in high performance and racing has been 
has been kind of one of the hottest areas for us. You know, it's, it's really incredible. But I think it goes to show that that's the tip of the spear, you know, for for the motorsport industry to to look forward and say, um, like you guys were talking about, you know, regardless, we want power and performance above all. And, um, you know, we're, we're motorsport and power sports guys. Like we had same reservations and and the, the electric kind of carries with it kind of a stigma, right? So we we started looking at the actual technology and, and like you guys were talking about RC cars, this is incredible. I mean, we apply this, um, you know, in, in this technology to, to um, you know, high performance racing vehicles. And, and that's what we're really focused on right now because, you know, it gets the word out. It shows people what's possible with electric and, and get people inspired. But how did you sort of think about or, or figure out the necessity of needing a, you know, like we know as crate engines, right? Kevin, you know this. You can go online right now. You could order a crate engine for just about anything you want, right? Doesn't matter what brand loyalty you lie with. You could go Ford crate engine, Chevy, Mopar. It's all out there. Well, you guys are now doing that for the world of electric. That's that's different. Yeah, and, and it's not just, I mean, we, we hear this like e-crate motor, right? Which is like a, an electric motor. Um, but that's the simplest part of the system. So you, you have all of the, the batteries, the management system of the batteries, the charging, high power electronics and software, you know, that's the real complex side. So what we what we realized, so John and I both come from power sports and we saw this kind of going and, and we, we were working on a development project for a power sports vehicle. And, and that's when we realized that nobody's supplying this, you know, no, you know, you can go buy a lot of the components, but um, nobody's putting it together in a way that, uh, you know, the, the builders, the fabricators, um, the racing guys can take these, the equivalent. So now we call them e-crate e drive systems. It's the, it's the whole package and it's the equivalent to a uh, crate motor. Yeah. So walk us through, you know, what is in there? How do you interface it? Uh, and then, you know, how do you kind of move in and, and uh, replace items to get the, let's say performance and range and things that you're looking for uh, for each individual? Yeah, that's a really good question because what we know is that there's so many different applications and performance needs and range needs. And so what we've done is kind of simplified and said, you know, with our customers, let's talk about power and range as being the two fundamental things that we need to know. And we've also structured our drive systems in the same logic. The motor unit, which is the motor and the motor controller and the vehicle control unit that controls that motor is one system. And we have an architecture that we've designed in-house. Um, that's flexible enough to use multiple different types of motors. And then we have the same thing on the energy side, the battery side, which is, you know, a, a BMS and a charging system and different types of battery cells that we've standardized um, that says, hey, we can, we can kind of quickly combine, we call them pack modules. So it's a small, like mini pack to create a pack grouping. And, and then um, our customers can quickly kind of customize these systems uh, to meet their needs and, and um, it's not always a ground up project. So it allows us to scale, get many systems out there, uh, but it also gives us flexibility like you're were, you were talking about. So it, it's modular, you you just, the more power people want, you just assimilate more more packs into the into the system, into the drive system? Yeah, to some degree, you know, and we, we take the really complex side away from the conversation. So sometimes on the backside, you know, we're doing all kinds of fancy things, right? To, to make it work, I mean, you, you can't just have one type of battery chemistry for all applications uh, because sometimes the chemistries don't don't put out enough discharge power for like a drag car. Like if you're going to go pull, you know, a quarter mile, um, you know, times, you know, you're going to need high discharge from batteries. And there's certain chemistries that work great for that. But we've standardized to three different chemistries, uh, three different types of batteries 
and we keep those. So we know if they're if they tell us, hey, I need a thousand horsepower, and I only need fifty miles of range, but mostly I just want twenty runs down a quarter mile strip. You know, <laughs> we, then yeah. we we uh, you know we use uh, the the batteries that we have um, for that application. You know, we don't use the ones for the guy that says, hey. I'm building a, you know, an old school Bronco and I want to be able to go 400 miles on a certain charge. That's a totally different type of chemistry, but, but the structure of our systems, um, the way that we assemble them and put them together is the same. Can you tell us, uh, can you divulge what the, the chemistries are? Yeah. Cause they go in bends, right. And, and, you know, maybe for people's background, um, you know, what I'm learning being new in EV is the electric motor itself is pretty darn simple. It's just a big motor, yeah. right? Small one, medium, big one. You, you pick. Uh, the complexity that we think of with engines is in the battery. Correct. You're trying to get all these electrons in and out. Uh, clearly, you want to hold a ton of it for for range. Uh, but when you're thinking about performance, when you're thinking about making power, you got to get the electrons out really fast, and that creates heat. And you got to have chemistries that can, you know, handle that heat. You have to have the designs that can manage it as well. Because um, as we know with cell phones, anything else, you get the the battery, the lithium ion battery is a little bit out of a temperature range that it's comfortable with and you can have battery fire. So there's a lot of things you have to do to protect, you know, that hardware like you would an engine with, you know, limiting RPMs and spark and things like that. Uh, so as he's mentioned, and there's different chemistries that allow either fast movement in and out of uh, electrons, but maybe they don't hold a lot of them, but man, they can make you go down to a drag strip fast because they can just fly out of that battery and juice that motor. But like I said, if you want to do a cross-country trip, you might want something more on range. So maybe walk us through what chemistries you guys are working with and, and uh, how you would stack those batteries up for either you know, the amount of energy that you want or maybe even the voltages yeah. that you guys are working with. Yeah, we definitely get into that because you know, we, you know, we have spent a lot of time. Like if, if you look at Hypercraft and what we spend most of our time doing as a company, is developing um, the technology and the manufacturing around batteries, which many of the OEMs are doing as well, right? So, you know, we see Ford doing this and, and a lot of the other OEMs that are coming to market. One of the core chemistries that we have committed to is, is NMC, uh, which is nickel manganese cobalt. And part of that is because it has a wide range of what they call C ratings. And C ratings kind of measure that discharge rate. And <clears throat> so we have some NMC cells that are 1C, um, which means that they continuously output um, their peak current um, at a 1C rating um, all the way up to 20 or 30C, um, which you can imagine is, is a huge amount. So like we're talking, we're talking um, you know, packs that can discharge uh, continuously for a minute, um, you know, above seven or 800 amps um, at 800 volts. So the way that we combine these in, in series in parallel either gives us um, higher amp hours um, which is the more power behind it or higher voltage, which is the efficiency side. So there's, there's a lot of, um, you know, research, and this is what makes the DIY market so tough, right? And we go find some Tesla modules and we connect them all back together and we try to find a BMS and a charger that works. And most of it's really unsafe to do, but, um, there's not a lot of flexibility in that. You're kind of locked into the way they design the module where for a hypercraft, you know, because we do it in-house and we're doing purpose-built systems for these types of applications, we can combine these different chemistries, these different cell types um, in many different parallel and series configurations to give the performance or the range that we're looking for. 
And one of the really cool things um, as new battery technology comes out is we always integrate these new technologies very quickly. So we're working on what we call dual energy or hybridized energy, which is taking a very power dense um, chemistry, which gives you a ton of discharge rate, right? Electrons really fast uh, to give you the acceleration force, um, but combine it with, with an onboard energy storage system um, that, is, uh, that is very energy dense, which gives you the range and have both storage types on one vehicle. And uh, it's, a, it's a no compromise situation. And that's what we're releasing into the racing industry. And when we talk about regenerative braking, which is the ability to use the motors to slow the vehicle down and charge the batteries, one of the big limitations with a, a really good energy dense battery is that you're not recapturing a lot of that energy that you're generating through braking. So what, what we can do with this new hybridized energy storage technology um, is we can have something that acts more like a capacitor um, and, and recaptures a much higher percentage of it. Um, and then we use the, the energy dense battery for the range. And so um, very efficient systems, but it's a no compromise for high performance applications. Man, that's interesting. That's the first time I heard about kind of a hybrid style battery. And, and I kind of wondered that, you know, as I'm learning a little bit more about, you know, an either or. And, uh, you know, I think about the battery and design, you know, as we're talking about it, right, you're trying to get a different characteristic out of it, kind of building an engine for torque, you know, putting a long stroke in it or whatever, or the short stroke with a high RPM for power and spinning it up, uh, you know, and you're usually having to compromise one or the other when you're designing an engine, but it sounds like within the battery realm, there's some flexibility to start blending a little bit there. There, there is, and um, you know, there's really cool technologies. So there's three main types of, of um, when we're talking about vehicles, powering vehicles, three types of motors, axial flux, permanent mag uh, magnet, and um, now I forgot the third one, that'll come to me. Brushless? Is there a brushless in the large one? Uh, that's the permanent magnet would be brushless, but we don't use DC. Okay. Most of what we'd have is AC. Um, it'll come to me, but there's three kind of core technologies and motors, but the way the windings, um, you know, are done, the, the, um, internally and the way the magnets are, we can create more torque or more horsepower. We can create higher RPM or lower RPM. You can do that just by the way the, the wire is spun around it is wrapped and, and magnets thrown out. Yep. The voltages and, and the way that we do the, the motor windings, um, is, is, uh, is it will create different torque. Like there's Borg Warner has a core, um, that that's 5,000 RPM and it puts out 340 horsepower and 1500 foot pounds of torque before gear reduction. So if you're, if you're doing any gear reduction to whatever wheel you're turning, that's a multiplier, right? So if it's 2,500 RPM at the, at the wheel, now you have 3000 foot pounds of torque with one electric motor. So, but that's 5,000 RPM. And then Integral, another company out of the UK, the Formula One guys, they have a motor that's 21,000 RPM, weighs 64 pounds, and it's um, 600 horsepower, but it's it only puts out about 500 foot-pounds of torque. And I say only, but you have a 64-pound motor that's 600 horsepower. And, that's um, insane. Yeah. I want one on a motorcycle. <laughs> Wow. Cool thing about EV is there's so many companies all over the world that are coming with really innovative products and Hypercraft gets to pick, you know, the best technologies to integrate. And we do a lot of stuff in-house that, that, um, you know, makes it all work. But, um, you know, we, we are able to tailor our drive systems to many different applications and do it in a simple way. All right, man. So we got to go to a break right now, but I got so many questions because, 
you know, when you look at this nowadays, the, the actual motor seems pretty simple. All the characteristics, the logistics of, of getting that motor and, and actually tuning it and getting more power out of it seems to be, you know, the, the real challenge moving ahead. The motor is, eh, you pick A, B, or the big one, you know, um, which, you know, everybody I know is, I'll take the big one. It's like going to the bottom of the page and ordering that camshaft uh, from your, you know, your catalogs. Uh, when we get back, man, let's take a break. Uh, I kind of want to sort of pick your brain about where do you see that, um, you know, sort of playing out how easy it is and where do you see tuning available in these combinations? Like, can you tune an electric motor and how will that actually work? If you don't mind elaborating a little bit on that when we come back. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He's Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. Charge your batteries. We're back after the break. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. And man, we have hypercraftusa.com. My boy John. My boy Jake. This is a dynamic duo of electricity, y'all. And these guys, I, I, who had the idea? How did you guys collaborate on it you can sort of hit us with that and then you got to talk about tunability most people uh, that i know that you know bring their car in their shop and they'll do you know put a cam in it swap out the valve train uh you know throw some fuel at it throw some spark at it uh you know tweak under here and there add some boost to it so they they're working on their car constantly to try to squeeze power out of it make it perform better how the hell you do that on an electric motor how do you manipulate it? How do you snatch up some of those margins that are in there that we know it can go faster? We just got to make it do it. So how do you approach that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of, um, you know, still being discovered in a lot of ways. I mean, we're, we're kind of getting the technology out. And uh, there's a few ways that we know. Um, you know, one of them is through improving the battery systems. Um, you know, as, as um, BMS technology, which is the battery management system, gets better, it will um, help sustainably pull more power from the batteries and that can improve performance. Um, the software that manages the system for, for the motors, like delivering power to the motors and um, the acceleration profiles are another thing that can be tuned. So, you know, how we allow the, the electric motor to ramp, but there's all kinds of, you know, high power electronics components and you know, there's silicon carbide motor inverters. So you're going to see somebody say, you know, I've got this motor, um, but there's an aftermarket motor controller. You know, we slap an aftermarket motor controller on, it gets reprogrammed and they found 20 horsepower, you know, uh, those kinds of things. And then you'll have all the coding guys that write new software code and improve the algorithms and, um, you know, all things that are even beyond me. But uh, what we know is it's kind of a brave new frontier and and performance guys are driven, and they'll find a way to, to eke out another 10, 15, 20 horsepower all the time. Can you wrap your brain around, you know, Willie, when you think about, you know, we had carburetors forever and the first fuel injection and how it's just like, oh, my God, and how long it took to, like, get to to a point where uh, fuel injection became a little bit more uh, intuitive, a little more straightforward. More of us got into it and doing the tuning ourselves. Like, here we are. We haven't even gotten hardly, like, 10 cars on the road. Uh, from the OEs and you know we've got all this stuff in our hands which sounds like really plug and play uh, just kind of drop in and go uh, with still the ability to play and tune but uh, almost too easy 
I mean, this is like right out of the gate. It's almost too easy. It took us like 30 years to get to this point with, with engine side, right? Yeah. I mean, cause like for us, you know, 2000 horsepower and almost 10,000 foot pounds of torque is really easy. We just, we had two more motors and we're there, you know, we power each wheel with one. So that, that part has been really easy. Now I think it's the science of how we apply the power because that much, you know, all of our torque is from zero to one RPM, right? So if you have 10,000 foot pounds of torque, you have it available from a dead stop. And so, you know, giving, giving the system all of that power, um, you're just going to break everything. And so now, now it's going to be figuring out how to, um, you know, to, to deliver that power in a really efficient way to improve traction. This makes me a little nauseous, man. We're talking about tuning out power. What, what planet did I just land on, Willie? Mm. You know, we've been trying to get power our whole lives. And here we're talking about tuning out power so we don't break everything. Yeah, man, you landed on planet Duracell, bro. <laughs> it, uh, it, yeah, it, it's getting nutty out here. Uh, it, you know, you, you probably look at this and, I don't know, did you guys see this um, a, a year or two ago and think, hey, maybe if we did A, B, or C, we could break into this? Or w What made you guys so passionate about it and kind of see this uh, before everybody else did? Well, you know, I'll, I'll kind of take that a little bit. We, we both came from power sports. So I'm a marketing guy. I was, I was working for one of the big OEMs in the power sports industry um, as a creative director. And, you know, so I see the cultural side of things, how to build brands and, you know, the way culture moves and, and influence and, and media and that sort of thing. And Jake was on the aftermarket side doing incredible things through engineering and product development, manufacturing. And we got linked up and um, we just hit it off and we developed some things together. And um, we, you know, it's funny, I had a, a Nova that I'm building in my garage and, and Jake has a Falcon that he's building in his garage. Just as a side note. I'm going to give the wind to the Nova. <laughs> the Nova already. You know, so we're, <laughs> we're passionate about this stuff. Like, you know, motorcycles, muscle cars, hot, you know, dirt bikes, snowmobiles, ATVs, et cetera. And uh, we come from that industry background and, and, you know, so we started developing this machine that, you know, he and I both just had a lot of passion for, and um, we didn't know how we were going to power it at first. You know, there was talk of hybrid, like, how are we going to build a 300 pound machine with 300 horsepower, like a true one-to-one -one power to weight vehicle. And uh, we landed on electric as being the only way that we could get it done. And you know, Jake's a, a very technical, technically minded guy. He's kind of like Neo on the matrix. Like he can plug in some software into his brain and he knows judo all of a sudden, you know? Right. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Hey, have you met my friend Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> I need that. I need that talent, man. <laughs> so, yeah. And, you know, and, and Jake just went to work figuring it out. Like, how are we going to do this? And we, we could get all the components. That wasn't the problem. The problem was putting them all together and, you know, all the software and, and engineering that, that requires to make that work. And, um, and that's where, that's where hypercraft was kind of born, huh? Yeah. And we kind of, we ran into a, a roadblock when we realized what it was going to take just to develop our drive system. And then, you know, Jake was really the one that had the aha moment of, man, if we're running into this problem, you know, Jake could build the most innovative chassis and power sports that you could think of. Um, but you know, how are we going to get this power, you know, this, this drive system in there. And, 
And, uh, you know, Jake was like, called me one day and was like, okay, so we ran into this problem and this problem, and this problem. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know. Like what? He's like, that's the idea. And I'm like, what do you mean? Well, imagine how many other people in the world are running into the same problem we are right now. And that's where yeah. it was just like, oh, wow. Okay. You know, and then we start thinking about all these segments of, you know, from automotive to power sports, marine, aerospace. I mean, you know, even down to, you know, household appliances. I mean, you name, I mean, there's probably vehicles that are, you know, in some kids, some kid in art school, you know, or, or mechanic school, it has this crazy idea we haven't even thought of yet. And he just needs access to, to what we're developing. And, you know, right. and, and Jake can really kind of fill in the blanks on, on the technical side of that. Well, I got a question, you know, what we got you here, um, you know, from your marketing side, right. You got a whole lot of, uh, you know, crusty engine guys like us that, that are going to be hard to turn over. What, what's your approach? Like, how do you see this shaking out as far as let him drive a 2000 horsepower car? They'll get over that real fast. Well, that's kind of what, you know, that's kind of what's got me flipping around, right? I'm, I'm looking at their website. They've got a, you know, an off-road truck. Looks like a Baja rig. It's 1600 horsepower, 6,800 foot pounds of torque. Uh, you know, like to me, it's like, what? well, I would drive that. I'd like to own one of those. Uh, so, you know, there's a side of me that's been nah for years. Uh, but as it's kind of here in my face, uh, and I, and I kind of have to accept it or at least really evaluate it, man, the, the, the upsides are huge. I mean, do you think it's, it's just going to snowball right over? Or do you think it's going to take, cause a lot of us motorsports guys are traditionally, you know, engine folk. Now, granted, we, we, we want power. Uh, so maybe you just go to your first race and you get spanked and that's it. But is that kind of how you see the, the strategy here? Just spank people and then turn them around yeah from a marketing perspective you know um up until now ev has always been this you know save the planet kind of message and you know like i care but we we care about the environment we're passionate about you know leaving things better than you found them but you know that's not going to get get under the skin of of performance guys you know so you know, right out of the gate, Man, we, just we really felt that yeah. um, we could show up in a, in a really powerful way and, you know, just blow the doors off of everything in sight. And yeah, by the way, it's, it's better for the planet, you know? Um, but it's, it's like, that's kind of the, the afterthought. It's really more about the performance benefits that, that you can get. Well, performance, performance always speaks for itself. It, performance always will will bring the masses if you're dude he said 6700 foot pounds of torque 15 1600 horsepower is nothing right give that to any hot rodder muscle car guy they're gonna wet themselves man they're gonna have so much fun they'll they'll laugh so hard they'll lose childhood <laughs> memories like that is that's that's the key component that's that's the end to all right there when you bring in that much power to the game nothing else uh will will get the masses to come over to the dark side like 7,000 foot pounds of torque and 1,500, you know, horsepower at one RPM. It's insane. Well, and, and one thing I want to say is like the performance is the hook and that's what's going to get a lot of people, you know, excited and interested. But I, I think the maintenance and the simplicity is, um, is going to keep people in the game with electric for a long time. We have, you know, um, some really cool customers. One is, is, um, you know, doing some rally stuff. So we're, you know, like I said, heavy and racing. 
but they talked about their high performance motors and the maintenance schedules and, and the cost and the complexity of, of these systems and how, um, you know, they, they're not that dependable, right? When you're on the cutting edge of, of internal combustion performance, you know, it's um, so electric kind of does away with that. So it allows us to really focus. And, and so I think where, you know, it could be like, oh, people get excited about electric and then, all right, well, we've, we've done that. Let's go back to gas. We love gas. Just the, the sheer simplicity and, and lack of maintenance needs for electric is going to keep people, I think, in the game a long time. So what are the commodities? What are the consumables? Like with a with an engine, right, high performance, we all know there's a fuel system, thermal management is big. You have to manage all the heat, cylinder pressure. You know, you got to get the gases out and all the burnt stuff out while maintaining emissions rule. Kevin could probably break it down better than anybody. Compared to a, you know, an IC engine, right, Give us a walkthrough, Kev, on, on the simplicity and the difference uh, between what we know as IC internal combustion versus, uh, you know, something like a, a battery a sort of powered motor. Uh, it, it, why is it so much simpler? Uh, and what are the points of failure compared to, the, you know, the number of points of failure in, a, in an internal combustion setup? Well, I think, you know, I, I just had a little minor uh, just epiphany on on how this might play out, um, just from talking with the group here, you know, the performance is what's going to pull us in. And then Jake kind of hit it with the simplicity, the durability is what keeps us there. Uh, you know, so, I mean, I, I think that might be the hook, line and sinker, uh, on pulling some of us guys over into that world. And you're talking about the complexity. I mean, you started to hit it. Just think about the complexity with your cooling system, your fuel system, your mission system, you know, with controls on top of it, lubrication system. So many systems are layered on the engine. We haven't even started talking about the transmission. So now going to, you know, especially if you're in a drag racing, you're more typically into an automatic transmission or whatever. Now you got the automatic transmission that just has so much complexity in it. Uh, and you talk about commodities uh, with the motor essentially being kind of like a commodity. They're very simple. There's very little moving parts in there. Um, should be a very durable device if you're controlling temperatures and currents. Uh, so then it just becomes, I think, more of the controls on the battery management because that's the part, of course, you can damage anything. But you're trying to really keep this high-dollar battery system in check, giving you everything it possibly can without doing the damage to it. So, uh, you know, if I go back to that RC car, right, uh, anybody that's sitting here listening to this podcast and shaking their head like, no way, I'm never going to do it, Go and look at your RC car and tell me what you got in it. Do hmm. you got the nitro setup that's just pop, 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 you know, with just all the mixing, everything that goes along with it and the maintenance and all that stuff? Or do you just go charge your stick of batteries and throw it in there and yep. smoke your buddies? You know, like that's, I think that, def I think the RC car defines, right, the progression, right? Yeah. The simplicity, the ease. Hey man, I'm fast. It's easy. Who doesn't like that? You know, it was cool when when you're ripping and making a lot of noise. Yeah, you know, there's no doubt about it, man. I, I love it. But how many of us have a nitro RC car? Mm-mm. It's nostalgic. No. Yeah, it's up on the no middle. now. How many guys go? <laughs> I had one right now, right? Oh yeah, and, I, I, and when when I had one, you know, I'd get it running perfect, and then I'd let it sit for a month or two months. And then I'd spend three, four hours on a Saturday trying to pull the whole thing apart, get new glow plugs, you know, try to get the whole thing working and cleaned out again. So yeah, to your point, I, I think it's a great parallel to what's happening in, in EV. 
I do think that we need the interest of improvement though. Like if everything's so easy as humans, we're kind of like, oh, okay, it's easy. 2000 horsepower, it's easy. Um, you know, we're going. But what we know is that now we're unlocking this whole new definition of performance. How is a software going to be written for me as a driver, as a racer, or my driving experience that's specific? How can I go in and adjust it to tailor it? It's like a driving mode, acceleration mode, um, power distribution, all of that for, for me specifically, the way that I drive. Um, you know, and, and that kind of, you know, there's so many different things, right? Because it's, it's digital power. I mean, we can control it through software. We, it's so flexible. So that's where the interest is going to allow us to, to take this to a new world. Just uh, Tesla just announced um, an upgrade. Uh, there's the chill self-driving mode, the normal self-driving mode, and now they have the aggressive driving mode, which makes the Tesla stay the left lane, uh, pass more. It makes you tailgate. Um, it does rolling stops. It just it makes you drive like an a-hole, but it, it gets you to and from faster. Uh, <laughs> but the, like you said, it's all about programming and, you know, what you're using as limitations. Do you, do you see that really the defining change of, of what's going to happen and really – um, sort of bring it around the corner and, and make it just ease of application for a lot of people that are going to want to go this route and put electric conversions in motorsports, power sports, cars, um, bikes, everything else? You know, it's interesting. When we were at SEMA, we actually experienced several people who came to the booth that was like, you know, a dad who, you know, is an old hot rodder. You know, he's got the the shop and, you know, and then the son who's more of a software guy you know, and you can almost see it culturally transitioning that way. Um, you know, and I think the other thing to mention too is, you know, and Jake can talk about this in more detail, but you know, all the regulations that are coming down on the performance racing industry, you know, speed shops and stuff like that. Um, you know, they're, they're wanting to move into this direction as well because they just, they're not going to be able to survive under all the regulations that they're dealing with. Yeah, the seven lev rules are killer. Uh, Jake, we're almost out of time. Uh, enlighten us, man. Share some more knowledge of where you think we're we're going to be in uh, the next year, the next three years, the next five to seven. Well, I mean, in the next year, um, in three years, we're going to democratize this new technology. We're going to get it out to everybody who wants to to experience it, you know, and people are going to, you know, they're going to experience it for the first time. They're going to learn about it and they're going to decide if it's for them or not. Um, long, long term, um, you know, five to 10 years, I think what it's going to do is it's going to push internal combustion uh, to do great new things. And we're going to see the competition from the internal combustion side. And that's going to be really exciting. Uh, you know, in, in our, our message has always been gas and electric. It's not one or the other. Um, it's gas and electric and um, hydrogen or whatever else, you know, maybe it's nuclear. Uh, we're, we're excited about new technology and applying it. So, um, for Hypercraft, you know, we, we want to be there to support the, the innovatives, creatives, innovators, creatives, and, and uh, just make this technology accessible. So our product line is going to grow um, and, um, and costs will come down. Battery technology is going to improve in the next five years dramatically. Talk about that cost coming down because that's the big, I, I think, Achilles heel right now is it costs so much. Uh, is, is there a supply demand, you know, thing that's going to happen where it's going to cross and eventually come down to a price point a lot more people could get into it at yeah i mean you know we're capitalists right so um you know when there's big revenue available the, the smartest people and the biggest companies are going to go in and solve the problems and bring the cost down and make it make it easy so 
you know, I think some of it is, you know, the carbon batteries and, and getting away from chemistries, you know, whether it's solid state batteries or carbon batteries um, and improving those, those manufacturing techniques um, and, and um, the, the materials will be more sustainable. I mean, carbon is one of the most, um, you know, available elements that we have. So, um, you know, I, I think that's going to help drive down costs. And I think there's more factories. We know core power is putting in a plant um, a million square feet in Buckeye, Arizona. Um, we're going to start seeing battery factories pop up. Ford's doing it right in Tennessee, I think. So, um, you know, that's going to help drive down costs too, because it's not going to be so high demand and so low supply. Well, think about all the salvage yard vehicles that are going to be out there in the next, you know, five, 10 years. Uh, same thing we've done for the last, you know, 80 or 100 years. Let's go pick and, you know, grab little bits of this and that and, and piece them together. I mean, you guys have the full turnkey solution, which makes it easy. Uh, but, you know, for every budget, there's a different path to get there. And mixing and matching is kind of what hot rodders have always done. So, yeah, it might take a few years for economies of scale and for the salvage yards to kind of stockpile some of these goodies. But, um, yeah, it's got to come down. It's got to be more attainable before too long. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, if you're the guy buying an $80,000, you know, high performance racing engine, you know, the cost for electric isn't that much different. You know, um, we can give comparable um, you know, performance for, for almost the same price. But, um, you know, if you, if you're buying, you know, a Ford five liter for, you know, $3,500 or a remanufactured motor, um, <clears throat> you know, it's the, the difference in price is significant, right? I mean, our, our kind of like baseline systems come in in around 28,000 and, uh, that's, that's for about two or 300 horsepower. So, you know, it's, it's something that, that obviously we're putting a lot of effort in giving access to the technology means the price needs to be where it needs to be. So everybody can afford it. And um, we're focused on that. And I know, you know, Ford and a lot of OEMs, you know, we're kind of all on the same team here. So we're, we're all working on this. It's cool, man. It's all cool stuff. Uh, I can't wait for Kevin to learn more because I, I just, you know, ride his coattails, uh, look over his shoulder and cheat off his test. So uh, I'm pretty fired up about it. Uh, man, and we'll definitely have you guys back on down the line. HypercraftUSA.com, where do people find out more info? Give us your website if that's not it, and uh, tell us what you got on social media real fast. Yeah, so HypercraftUSA.com is our, our website, and all of our social channels are at HypercraftUSA. Easy to find, man. Hey, definitely check this company out. Definitely check out where this technology is going, man, because this, this is going to be a game changer. It is definitely, it's the big pink elephant in the room that not a lot of people are talking about. So it was great to have you guys on uh, and definitely something I'm really, God, I know Kevin is. Uh, we're looking forward to this, it's, man. It's an interesting topic, man, because <laughs> you know how much we love, you know, the old school, but uh, this is new and it's got some cool. So whew, bring it. Let's see what it tastes like. Yeah, man. HypercraftUSA.com. Check out the sites, man, at HypercraftUSA on all the other social sites. Don't forget about our show. You can find it airing on the Motor Trend Network on weekends. Check your local listings. Also available streaming on demand. Uh, it's always a great resource to find us as well. Thanks to our producer, Scoop, executive producer, Mr. Bob Becker. He is Kevin Bird, our guests, Jake and John from Hypercraft USA. I'm Willie B, and I'm going to plug in. I'm going to check out some electric battery RC cars, man. <laughs> and don't forget to check out our website, twoguysgarage.com. Share your thoughts with us. We're everywhere on social, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at Two Guys Garage. And Two Guys Garage Podcast, it's copyright 2021, Britain Productions Incorporated, all rights reserved. All right, real fast, man, before we got to go. 
Jake, the first time you rode or drove something battery operated, what was the holy moment? I was in a Tesla, as I think for a lot of people it is. And, and um, you know, just feeling that torque and acceleration, you know, it's the seat of the pants. You, you put butts in seats and, and it's, it's a big deal. All right, John, you got one? Yeah, I rode a, an electric motorcycle. Um, pretty experienced riding street motorcycles. Uh, this was this yeah. was the first time I've ever ridden a wheelie a block. Uh, downtown Denver scared the crap out of me, but it was uh, the most incredible thing I've ever felt. Yeah, man, Bird, what do you got? Nothing, man. I've been like just sitting on the sidelines, and it's sort of hit oh, me like a snowball. No, oh. man. Uh, uh-uh. uh. Man, oh, I'm- man, I. I've driven a couple of Teslas, uh, electric go-karts, and some of that racing. But like John, I threw my leg over that Harley Lightning electric bike um, that my buddy, he's, he's got endorsement with. He races. And let me tell you, man, he took off all the throttle management, traction control. And that silly, that SOB is a wild ride to strap onto. It is absolutely, I had giggle factors and was hoping to God the cops couldn't find me. I was like, good God, that is a game changer. Y'all go check it out, man. Electric is coming. Yeah, I've been putting it and, off. Uh, I'm afraid. I'm afraid I'm going to get in one, get on one, and it's going to just turn my mind uh, 180 degrees. I'm just letting it come in slow, man. Just letting it come in slow. All right. I'm going to put something on the record here. Kevin's got a 67 Fastback Mustang. Uh, he's already got a nasty engine for it. I think he ought to go electric in it. I'm just going to throw know, it out there. Think about it. Think about it. I'm going to finish this one as is. It might be. My, it might. Might. Be my last IC, or at least throw an EV in there in between. So I, I'm open to the idea. So my next ride, uh, probably going to have to build a little EV hot rod. So. All right, man. You guys take care. We'll catch you on the next Two Guys Garage podcast. Two Guys Garage podcast is produced by Britain Productions. For more episodes, visit iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.